Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you. Uh, we're getting into some amazing events in Jesus' life. And it's just been a joy to walk through these. And uh, what a God we serve. Get to talk about the resurrection today. A couple of things before we get going today is uh, one, you've probably heard that the coronavirus is having a significant impact on parts of the country of India. And if you're new to Rockbrook, we have a heart for India, specifically North India, uh, because of all the unreached, unengaged people groups there. Uh, one of our zone leaders, Pastor Edwin Simon and his wife, both passed away from COVID recently, uh, leaving behind their 21-year-old daughter. Uh, so be praying for her. One of, one of the major hurdles treating patients in India right now has been the lack of oxygen. And our pastor's network is wanting to purchase 20 oxygen concentrators with the goal of donating 10 of them to local hospitals and donating 10 of them to uh, NGO charities. Uh, thanks to your generous giving to Rockbrook, we've been able to provide the funds to purchase five of those. Uh, they cost under $1,000 each. And just thank you for your giving that allows us, whether it's um, a, a church that's affected by a hurricane or tornado or this situation in India or what have you, that we're able just to respond quickly. We don't have to stop and raise the funds first, uh, but we're able to respond to uh, that pastor's network's request and need. Uh, be praying that they'll be able to acquire these medical devices, get them to the hospitals and clinics that need them. Your prayers for the pastors and churches in our network are greatly appreciated as they seek to minister in Jesus' name in a very difficult place and season. Uh, so thank you for that. Also, of course, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Thank you for what you do, who you are. I'm actually going to pray for moms in just a moment. First, I'd like to publicly say uh, thank you to my mom for all the prayers and teachable moments and examples and endless acts of service of laundry and dishes and dinners and shopping and for loving my kids and for all the fun moments. Nothing better than having a mom who loves to laugh and who laughs at your jokes and comes to the Saturday night five o'clock service and texts you jokes to help pump punch up the sermon for Sunday, and uh, I just thank her for her endless creativity. When I was a kid and would not clean my room or do a job around the house, she used to put on lipstick really, really thick and then threaten to kiss me if I didn't get the work done and I had to leave it there. Uh, so man, she'd pull out the lipstick. I'd scramble to go do all my chores and I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Vicki, who is a shining example of kindness and sacrifice. And Vicki, you have been so kind and welcoming to me. And I, I know few people uh, with as much energy and thoughtfulness as Vicki. So happy Mother's Day. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my wife. So blessed to be your husband. I wanted to publicly congratulate my wife, who this week received... The 2021 Clinical Nurse Excellence Award for Charge Nurses at Children's Mercy, which is a big deal. Way to go, Lauren. Way to go. And I also wanted to say happy birthday to Tom. Thanks, Riley. 
Do you ever wonder how moms do it all? I used to wonder if my mom was a secret agent because of all the things she knew and knew how to do. And if you've ever wondered that, I've put together the top 10 signs your mother is a secret agent. Number 10, every note she leaves in your lunchbox ends with, this will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Number nine, she has a secret red phone that directly connects to the CIA, your school principal, and RBFK ministry assistant, Susie Hostetler. Number eight, you sometimes hear her talking into her purse about Operation Lose the Kids. Number seven, yeah, you thought you got left at the gas station on accident. Now your mom had a job to do. Number seven, there's a strange red button in your mom's minivan that says, don't touch this. Number six, instead of using a fly swatter, she throws thumbtacks with incredible precision. <laughs> Number five, your mother has hooked you and your siblings up to a lie detector in order to determine who really ate her chocolate. Number four, her vacuum cleaner has a bazooka attachment. Number three, she has beaten Rockbrook for Kids pastor Don Ratney at arm wrestling. Number two, when she drops you off at a student service, she insists that you jump out of the moving vehicle. And the number one reason your mother may be a secret agent, she seems to do the impossible on little to no sleep. Let's pray for moms. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for creating each mom with a unique combination of gifts and talents. And we thank you for the sacrifice of self each mom gives for her children. Uh, for late nights, for hands calloused, from washing and scrubbing and wiping, mixing, baking, stirring, hugging, patting, disciplining, holding, writing, erasing, painting, pouring. We thank you for the gift of time moms give their kids, whether it's at home day to day with them or teaching them or working for them or a combination of all those things. We thank you for their flexibility, their tirelessness, their perseverance, and their devotion. And God, we just uh, pray this weekend that you would give each mom strength, help her to see in every mundane task the eternal cosmic significance that you place on motherhood, help her to understand the most radical world-changing events may be happening anonymously in her home, help her to forgive those who undermine her significance. We pray that each mother would reject perfectionism and instead embrace the goodness of the gospel. We pray uh, the rhythms of repentance and forgiveness shape every home. Lord, give each mother a worshipful reverence of you, the creator and sustainer of life. Help them rest in the knowledge that they are stewards of your children and that only your spirit can produce and change the heart of each boy and girl. And may each mother find rest in you. Lord, please duplicate their sleep. And the church said, amen. Okay, so far we've looked at Jesus' baptism, his temptation, suffering, death, and today, uh, his resurrection. In Matthew 28, it records this. Matthew records this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, 
For I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While, we, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus is alive. At Easter, we talked about some good reasons to believe that that actually happened. The eyewitnesses, uh, them not being gullible. I mean, it says, Matthew records, some doubt it. They weren't gullible to this. Uh, It had to be proven to them. They had to be shown. Their lives were changed by what they saw. Uh, They had nothing to gain, but everything to lose by teaching that Jesus rose from the dead. Yet they held on to that message even unto death. And just as a historical fact, because of the resurrection, we now split history into before and after Christ. Uh, But it's really not just enough to know the historical facts or or just believe that that happened historically. The question I want to answer this weekend is, if Jesus is raised from the dead, what should that mean to you? What does that mean for your life? And how do you believe it in such a way that it actually impacts your life? What does it mean that Jesus is raised from the dead? Jesus' resurrection means surely God is with you always. He is with you. Uh, This week, I saw a few different remembrances to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, So I went to my dentist. In my dentist's office, there's a big picture of Abraham Lincoln with this copy of, of a letter that he sent during his presidency. And then um, I went to Shields, and they've got talking Abe Lincoln. Have you been to Shields, happiest place on earth? They've got Abraham Lincoln in there. And then uh, uh, there was another historical marker and, and a memorial to Lincoln that I saw. And I respect Lincoln, so I stopped and read each thing this week. And some people say, you could say, well, I love Abraham Lincoln. And when I read his biographies, I, and I just admire him so much. And when I read his work, I feel that he's with me. And that's an inspiring thing to say. 
<laughs> but just don't think for a second that's what Jesus is talking about here. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, well, when you read writings about what I said, uh, that I'll be with you. He's not saying, I'll be with you in history. No, he's risen. He's risen from the dead. And when he says, I'll be with you, what's he talking about? I want to break this fact down that Jesus is with us in four ways from this text. Number one, if you're taking notes, he's with you in life. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, there are many places in the Bible that say that after Jesus rose from the dead, appeared to his disciples and many others over 40 days, that he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. That's several places in Scripture. Here's one of them. Hebrews 1 Verse 3 says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Isn't this marvelous? When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now, what's this mean? Is this just rhetoric? Uh, is this just a, a creative, powerful way to say this? Does this just mean that he went to heaven? He did ascend into heaven, but he sat down at the, at the right hand. It's the place of power, like the prime minister, the person who sits at the right hand of the king and actually runs things and rules and executes the will of the king. When Jesus says, I'm raised from the dead and I will be with you always, he's saying, I'm in charge of history now. All authority has been given to me and I'm running things. Jesus is Lord I now have sovereign control of everything that happens in history and in your life. I am ruling everything right now on the basis of what happened at the cross and the resurrection. Right now, he's ruling things on the cross and resurrection principle. What is the cross and resurrection principle? Do you see all the evil that happened at the cross? The, the suffering, the injustice that happened there that Jesus experienced, the betrayal, the rejection. And yet, what came of it? It just led to a, a greater salvation. All the things the world did, all the things that the devil did, all the suffering just ended up accomplishing salvation and the resurrection. The evil of the cross is swallowed up in victory. That, that's from Scripture. Scripture tells us, let's go to this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, there were people at the cross who knew Jesus was a good man and had uh, healed uh, many, many, many sick people and given sight to the blind, done all these miracles. And do you know what they said at the cross? They said, I can't see any good God could bring out of this. I don't understand how God could bring any goodness out of this. And that's because they didn't understand yet the cross and the resurrection. Now, here's, here's the question. Are you looking at anything in your life and thinking, I don't see how God could bring any good out of this? That's because you're forgetting the cross and the resurrection. You're forgetting that all authority has now been given to Jesus and he's with you 
and he's going to overrule it, and he's going to control it. And it does not mean that all things will work together for good today. It does not mean all things will work together for good maybe at the end of five years or ten years, maybe not even in the span of your life, but in the span of all of history, God is working everything, all things together for good. And the evil and suffering is going to be swallowed up to make an eventual glory even better. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's with you in life like that? That he cares about your life like that? Because when you do, man, now I can relax. Uh, What a confidence and peace that brings. I don't have to try and control this. All authority has been given to Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. I don't have to get angry about this. God is in control, and God is with me in life. I don't have to freak out about this. I have confidence and peace because all authority has been given to Christ, and he is with me. Do you believe, because he's risen, that he's with you? Number two, uh, he's with you in life, and he's with you in the word and in the gospel. He's with you in the word and gospel. He said, go make disciples, Uh, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Uh, Jesus is connecting his presence uh, to the ministry of the word, the ministry of the gospel. When we go to people and say, Jesus died for your sins, when we tell people, you can be saved by grace, there's a presence there. There is a ministry of presence there. Ephesians 2.17, the apostle Paul says something very interesting to the Ephesians churches. He says, he came, Christ came, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Now, far away is the Gentiles and near is the Jews. Uh, And he's saying that he preached that to you, the Ephesians churches, Christ came and preached to you, and that's how you can be born again and how you can be saved. The real question in this verse, though, is when when did Jesus do that? When did Jesus visit Asia Minor? These churches that he's writing to are in places Jesus never traveled to. So what's he talking about? Whenever someone preaches the word to you, the gospel to you, when you read the word in the gospel and scripture, Christ is preaching to you. The risen Christ is really there. Not the way a historical figure is there when you read their writings. Not the way Abraham Lincoln is there when you read an address of his. Not the way an author is there when you read their works. Jesus is really there. The risen Christ, uh, there's, there's a moment, there's a time after Jesus has resurrected, but he's still on earth, that he appears to some of his disciples walking on the road, and they did not recognize him, they were not expecting him. And um, at the end of the conversation, or after the conversation, Christ is re- reveals himself to them, and they say this in Luke 24, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? and opened the scriptures to us, that you can really have him, the word of God, understanding the message of the word of God, which is Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that the gospel is a way for you to really have him in your life, to really know him and sense his presence and his love for you. And he can be as real to you as anyone. He can be because he's risen. So he's with you in life. 
He's, he's with you in the word and gospel. And number three, he's with you in Christian community. And surely I am with you always. Now, unless you're from the South or from Canada, uh, when you say the word you, it's either an individual or a group. So I've been saying you today, referring to all of us in this room. But in the South, to refer to a group of people, they'll say y'all, or in Canada, they say use guys. And it's a great improvement on the English language because it actually makes it clear whether the person is saying, hey, you get in here and help me with dinner or y'all get in here and help me with dinner. And Jesus, what he is saying here is the word he, he, he says that he uses, and surely I am with y'all always. That's because Christ's church is a body. The church is Christ's body. Christ is present in a special way in the church, supernaturally. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? What Paul says to us is you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and it's plural. It's plural. God dwells in you guys' midst. God's presence uh, does not dwell in a building built by human hands. It dwells in a building where people are the living stones. The church are the living stones. So you are the stones. Y'all are the living stones. You are the I-beams, the insulation, the sheetrock, the studs. There's a building. We are the stones. That's where God's presence dwells. And when the church is gathered, Christ is present through the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. That's why we bring people to Jesus Christ because they don't just need to hear about Jesus historically. They need to experience his presence. They need to know him. They don't need to just hear about him, but meet him. Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm alive and I'm present in your life and I'm really very present in Christian community. And that's why when you bring someone to church or to your small group, God is there in a special way and they experience God maybe in a way they never have before. I'll tell you, when a Christian brother or sister says to me, Ryland, you are forgiven. When a Christian brother or sister says to me, Ryland, you can do this. God's spirit is in you, empowering you, enabling you to do this. And through Christ, you can do this. When the worship team uh, proclaims and, and, and helps me sing out, I am who you say I am. I believe that in a special way. I receive it in a way that, I mean, sometimes you hear Christ speaking to you in a way that you could not, sitting at home alone with your Bible in your closet. God is with you in life. He's with you in Christian community as well. Finally, this number four, he says this. He's with you at the end. To the very end of the age. At the end of your life. Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe in the resurrection? Have you put your faith in him? Uh, then at the end of your life, at the end of your personal story, he'll be there. Which means... Friend, the end of your story 
is a happy ending. Did you know that? You're guaranteed a happy ending. It also means at the end of history, he will be there because he is risen. At the end, everything will be made right. Now, if instead you choose to believe that this world is all there is, and, and when you die, uh, your body just decays, it's never resurrected, nothing ever happens, uh, you don't go to heaven, you don't go to any place, it's just it, no one's coming to make everything right, no one will address the wrongs that have been done, it's just never going to happen, and eventually the whole world is just going to burn up because of the death of the sun, and if that's what you believe will happen, then when you open up a book, or go to a movie, or watch a show, or watch a, a sporting event, and it's dark, and it's wild, and you go, oh my goodness, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. But then there is rescue and there is salvation, which just by the way, uh, that's why we, almost everyone in here has paid money to buy a television and watches TV and buys movies and pays for streaming subscriptions and watches sporting events uh, and why we buy books and why we tell one another stories is for those experiences and if you believe, though, that you just die and that's it, then you have this wonderful happy ending experience, uh, but then you realize, well, life's not really like that. And you can't really enter into the happy ending very far. It, the, the joy doesn't stay with you in life when you have a joyful experience. It leaks because of your belief system, and you believe, well, that's not really what life is, so that doesn't stay with you. And, and, and it's just happy endings are very difficult. In fact, if you're a film critic or an Oscar voter, you hate happy endings. I mean, I guess. And if you're a film critic or Oscar voter, you're more than welcome here at Rockbrook Church. Uh, but we do not like the same movies, I can tell you that much, because my favorite movies, Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, never win an Oscar. They always get a low score. And film critics say this over and over again. They don't like those stories because life's not like that. But if you're a Christian and you believe in the resurrection and you're trusting in the resurrection, then you know every time there is a comeback, every time a hero does win, every time your team does win, every happy ending in a story or book or show, you know actually that is what life is like. Life is like that. This is the reason why, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he comes to us again and again and again in every great story when you get to the happy ending. And because you can enter into happy endings, you can receive them with a wonder and joy because you know, hey, that's my story. That's what life is really like. That's what Christ's life is really like because you know Jesus is raised from the dead and he'll be with you at the end. 1 Corinthians tells us this. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. When you look at the evidence and believe that this did happen, 
and Jesus is alive. It's a life change. And God, God will do this. God will hold you. God will keep you. And friend, God is with you. Let's pray. God, we have just looked at the tip of the iceberg of the greatest gift you ever gave us. And because this did happen, it really happened. Lord, we proclaim today, we can face anything. And we can know that there will be, that that all the evil and suffering will be swallowed up in joy and victory. And God, we want this to be real to us. We want Jesus Christ to be real to us. Give us the peace that should come knowing that all authority has been given to him. Give us the intimacy that can come through prayer and the word. Give us the richness of life that comes from being deeply involved in Christian community. And let us always be able to relive the gospel every time we experience a story with a happy ending. Because we know, ultimately, that's how it ends for us too. Thank you for this. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.